Welcome to Shipwrecks, a podcast where we recommend and review erotic fanfiction. I'm Audrey, and here with me today are my friends Abby and Mira. In these first six episodes, we're focusing on the Harry Potter fandom. Today, we're reading one of my selections, Unforced Error, which is a Professor Snape and Hermione fic by Miss Witch. As usual, we have a themey little cocktail to go with it. So Abby, could you tell us what we're drinking today? Definitely. So I started my search for the perfect cocktail before I'd even read this story. Audrey told me the only thing she could tell me without spoiling it, that is, that there was some fire involved. I currently have an overabundance of fresh thyme at my house, and it turned out raspberries were on special. So fate conspired to tell me to make a sexy red cocktail, a spin on the classic daiquiri. None of that blended madness. The great thing about this cocktail is you don't have to do a daiquiri if rum isn't your preferred spirit. Just about any uh, spirit will work with this concept. To make this drink, you take equal parts of raspberry syrup, your spirit of choice, and then about a quarter of the total volume, you add that in as lemon juice. You stir it with ice and strain into a serving glass. From here, you can decide if you want to add a little luster dust for flair or light it on fire for fun. Uh, Does the drink have a name and where does the thyme come into play? Uh, The thyme is kind of cooked in with the raspberry syrup Mm -hmm. and it doesn't really have a name. It is just based on the classic daiquiri, which is citrus, simple syrup, and usually rum. But the simple syrup in this case was made infused with raspberries and thyme. Oh, it's very, Which, very yeah. good. I'm drinking it right now. I'm having mine with gin. I'm using Hendrix Midsummer Solstice Gin, which is a super floral. And like raspberries and flowers go together so well for me. Mm-hmm. Like my grandma used to grow raspberries in her backyard next to some rose bushes and like the smells and all of that. It's like Aww. in my mind, it's like they're just married, you know, so. That sounds amazing. Yeah, I'm a big fan of rum. And poor Mira. Mira's pregnant. She's got a smirk on her face and she's probably drinking lukewarm water right now i am drinking lukewarm water (laughs) that being said this would make a killer killer virgin cocktail because the syrup is really strongly flavored so it's sweet so it it would cause a little bit of a reaction with the carbonated water but if you pour it in slow enough you add the syrup and the and the lemon juice and it would be tasty kind of like an italian soda yeah i couldn't find fresh raspberries that were any good right now otherwise you could do it with frozen totally if you're honest you could probably just add just a scotch more sugar if they seem a little sad once you kind of cook it down i made myself a huge one so things are gonna get sloppy i'm about halfway through (laughs) my (laughs) big jug it's Um, a classy cocktail so you're just gonna give this a name though i mean man don't don't pass up an opportunity to give something a name right we could just call it the unforced error drink Um, time to die by fire (laughs) nice i love that holy crap just right off the cuff. Oh my God. <laughs> Time to die fire edition. So um, I chose this story. So it's up to me to set up the premise of it. Um, and so buckle up guys, because this story was um, 63,000 words, which means it's significantly longer than the great Gatsby, which I didn't want to mention last time. <laughs> That's how I measure all fan fiction. <laughs> I hope you guys feel educated and enlightened by reading this. Um, but yeah, I, I knew that. Because I always have in my mind, Great Gatsby's around 50,000 words. Um, I didn't mention it last time because I didn't want to scare you guys. So thank you for reading it. Um, and here we go. So this story begins in Harry and Hermione's seventh year at Hogwarts. That's the year they were on the run and doing the Horcrux hunt. Um, and if you're into um, Hermione and Snape fix, 
A lot of them take place in this year specifically because it's the only year that Hermione is legal and Snape is alive in the books. So the confluence of those two things, yes, it's perfect. It's (laughs) the bar we're going for here is literally not illegal and both people being alive. So, (laughs) Um, so as the story begins, it's totally canon compliant up to the seventh year, Um, and she was on the run, living in a tent with Harry and Ron. So in this story, Snape and Hermione find themselves imprisoned by Death Eaters and locked in a mysterious room. And they each took different paths to becoming imprisoned. So as a reader, we learn Hermione's right away. She has this brilliant idea um, for a spell that would help them locate the Horcruxes, which would be very fucking useful um, if it had existed in the actual books. So she breaks into the Hogwarts library um, and into the restricted, restricted section. She finds what she's looking for. Um, and she's sneaking out. And you might remember at this time in Hogwarts, um, it's been totally taken over by Death Eaters. Snape is the headmaster. Um, the Carols, which are like the evil brother and sister teachers, are just like ruling over the school and being very cruel. So she sneaks in. Um, and just as she's sneaking out, the next thing she knows, she wakes up disoriented, tied up. She can't see. And she has a terrible headache. And she's thrown into this decrepit room with Professor Snape. So this brings us to Snape. Um, and I know we talked last time about headcanon Snape, so I wanted to check in with you guys and see how you actually managed to picture Snape during this story. And I think I'll start with you, Mira, because you're the one who didn't totally buy into my younger Snape proposal slash Adam Driver proposal. More like of age Snape, <laughs> if we're going to be honest, though. Like, technically, that his age is closer to what Snape's would be. Yes, in- yes. I mean, yes. probably, I don't know, maybe exactly. He's right, he's in his mid-30s or whatever, so, yeah. Like a fine wine. I- <laughs> I tried. I tried real hard, but it kind of slipped back and forth. And then, yeah, it worked. It worked for me. It was fine. But yeah, the default is always Ellen Rickman for me. As long as you're into it, that's, you know, that's I mean, matters. I'm into okay. it. <laughs> but which one, though? Is it? Did you slip between Alan Rickman, Prince of Thieves, or Alan Rickman of the Harry Potter universe? The farmer would have been nice, but the Harry Potter universe, it's just too hard to get out of my head. Yeah. Well, I and mean, he it's has... not a bad vision, that's for sure. Not bad. We're not usually repeatedly watching Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, so he doesn't have that same... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, you guys aren't. <laughs> and how about you, Abby? Oh, man. I went full Adam Driver, and it really worked for me. <laughs> Having Woo! Snape being a little younger visually helped me out a tad, though I, yep. it did really make me want to have an alternative Hermione. Emma Watson is adorable as hell, don't get me wrong. But I do think she grew up too hot for the character. Yes. Hermione isn't unfortunate, Agreed. but she's supposed to be quirky. And I just, I don't know. She's too perfect to, to get, you know, Barbie doll mash together. Yeah. It just doesn't work. No, I feel you. I mean, I don't have that problem because it's always me. <laughs> I'm just like, it's me. I'm ugly enough to be Hermione. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> okay. Um, so I think the author, do you guys have any opinion about what the author was picturing Snape as? Because sometimes I'll read stories and it's very clear that they are thinking about Alan Rickman because they'll repeatedly mention he's got a voice like sin and blah, blah, blah and stuff. (laughs) Um, this one did not, but then there's a picture, there's an illustration at the beginning of the story that someone else provided while she was already significantly through the story. Um, that is clearly Alan Rickman and, and Emma Watson. And I, it's a nice illustration, but since those are not my headcanon people, I kind of wish it wasn't there. I, I think the author was trying to go for just the book versions of characters, but 
I guess I didn't pay attention enough. Like, they mentioned his nose being hooked nose and his hair being greasy. And, and him I being think... very thin, which Alan Rickman was just yeah. fit. He was not emaciated. And, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think this was a book snape for her, too. Agreed. Um, cool. Um, so, the next chapter you get from Snape's perspective, and you learn that he has been imprisoned and tortured as well. Um, and I get a really heavy Princess Bride vibe from the story while Snape is, like, being a badass while being tortured and, and mocking his torturers. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, man. So, this is like, if someone said Princess Bride, only there's actual sex and Professor Snape is in it, I mean, sign me the fuck up. And that's really funny. <laughs> How I feel about I'm this. I'm ashamed that I didn't think of that because we literally um, we literally watched Princess Bride like three days ago. Oh, jeez. It's so good. It did not come to mind. <laughs> um, well, and I've read the book and the tone of this writing is actually very similar. There's a couple of points where she's almost quoting it. And so I feel like I, I would love to contact this person like a creep and just ask her like, how much do you love the Princess Bride? And like, was this intentional? Because it's really good. I love it. Um, but anyway, Voldemort um, discovered that Snape is a double agent, and he wants the location of the Order's headquarters from him. So Snape thinks he's going to be killed as soon as Voldemort discovers that he's a double agent, but instead he is um, tortured a bunch with, like, Cruciatus, and he's a total badass and mocking his captors during that process. Um, and he's relieved, and he's really actually ready to die. He's, like, done with it. You know, he's worked very hard. But instead, he's thrown into the mysterious room, which for some reason um, he thinks of as a fate worse than death. Um, and then eventually Hermione is also thrown into the room. So she knows that Snape or suspects that Snape is on the side of good, but he will not talk to her and he's being a total ass um, and he's not trying to escape from the room in any way, which really frustrates her. And she decides since he's so full of himself as far as like his skills and stuff that he designed the room, and he, she is correct. Um, he's not trying to escape because he has faith in his own uh, work that he's made the room inescapable. I read the story for the first time a few months ago, and I don't remember when I figured it out, but maybe you guys will. Um, so I wanted to ask, at what point in the story did you guys figure out the nature of the room? Hmm. Honestly, I can't remember because I have read the story before, yes, but it was like several fault. months ago. That's my fault. It is your fault. <laughs> I, I figured out pretty quick, at least, that it had something to do to be some kind of like forced horniness room or some shit. Because <laughs> let's be honest, the kind of thing we're reading, I was like, all right, where's, where's it coming from? And yes. then it got honestly... It got more interesting. There's than more that. than one bed, so something else. Had yeah, to get. it's like it got more interesting though. It's like you c it could have just been like the hoe making the homemaker room, but it was yes. it was a, the slow burn room, and it's a little more interesting. Yeah, well, and I knew. Okay, so I was looking for Snape and Hermione stuff because that's my thing, um, and I filter these stories by explicit. <laughs> so I also was like pretty sure when he said do, um, Hermione tries to touch him, just grab him by the wrist to make him talk to her and he's like do not fucking touch me and then like knowing it's an erotic story i'm like oh touching something's going on right <laughs> so yeah i think i knew pretty quickly i think she does a good job of kind of unrolling that mystery so does someone want to give a good summary of what the room actually does and what it's for other than just simply the horniness room i could i could okay. do that okay so basically it's a room where it creates bonds slowly to make it feel like it was a natural bond, like it was there all the time and you just kind of noticed it suddenly or the shared trauma brought you together. Um, the idea is that if you torture someone, 
and you have like a gun to their loved one's head, you're much more likely to get accurate information. So the room is supposed to create that that bond so they can use someone like have someone use against you essentially. Yes. And I, I like the description of that because it gives Hermione a chance to be clever. And that's kind of one of the things I really like about this story is that there are mysteries and she uses her brains to figure them out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is one of them. So if he's, Snape was like, if someone had no loved ones for you to hold over them, how would you get information from them? Assuming that that is the best way to get information from someone. And she's like, everyone has loved ones. And he's like, mm, let's just say for the sake of <laughs> argument that no. And then she's like, oh, you would give them a loved one. And that's what the room is for. So, yeah. I thought that that whole exchange was really well done. Really interesting. I I don't know. I, I felt like they definitely established their characters a little bit there and allowed, it did allow them both to be intelligent without it taking a million years at the same time. Because we're on a schedule here, people. Like Yes. <laughs> Yes, I agree. I love um, this author has written some other stories too, and she really does give both of them chances to be smart and badass in these. Gonna bookmark so. that one. And I'm here for the badass magic and being super smart. So yeah. Yeah, I enjoy how they both have their own unique voices. I think with some authors, like you just hear the author's voice coming through, and it's like, oh well, the author's just talking to themselves, and their characters are very well defined. Their logic is different. Their opinions are different. They feel true to the characters, which is nice. Yeah, that's. I hadn't really been able to verbalize that feeling in this specific story compared to other ones I've read, but definitely accurate. Use that. Use that degree, man. I don't have the vocabulary. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ryan. so they're in this room, and Snape um, knows that this room is charmed to make Hermione fall in love with him, and he believes it's because they're trying to get the Order headquarters from him. Um, and he knows that he loves Hermione. He is in love with Hermione. Um, and so he feels like it would be super immoral for him to obviously act on these feelings that he has for her because she is being charmed into returning those feelings. So he's just planning on hope, holding out as long as he can, be a huge dick to keep her away from him and hope that something happens and some outside interference happens and that they get out of there um, or the captors lose patience and kill him. Hermione then eventually convinces him that she has some very important information and that that information could end the war. So at that point, they together try to escape. And part of escaping is making out because... um, (laughs) Because this is an erotic story. Yes. So the room has kind of like a sex barometer. Um, So if you touch each other, um, there's a globe and it will spin when you have physical contact. So it's like when the room has like achieved its purpose you will see that it's gone a full revolution and that the people are are in love and you can then use them as leverage over each other or whatever so um when they finally decide hermione's information is important enough that they need to go ahead and take the risk of being interrogated to get out of there um then they say they need to speed the timetable and we get our first sex scene so i wanted to talk about the sex scenes in this um and oops that's not a good transition because my first question is if the central relationship in the story works for you looking at you mira i can see on the the tip of your tongue (laughs) the wheels are turning um it does work for me initially i was a little confused and or annoyed because she kind of logics out the fact that he's on the side of the light right but like he's killed dumbledore at that point yeah 
And I feel like she would be a little bit slower to be like, oh, I used to have such a big crush on this guy. He just murdered the headmaster. Like, I don't know. Yes, I did not. I didn't recognize that until like my fourth time reading the story because I was so into (laughs) it and I am very into it. But she's like, oh, man, I have a crush on my professor, but that's inappropriate. And so I tamped it down. And it's like, didn't did you or did you tamp it down when he killed Dumbledore? Because that was like a big deal. Yeah. And they it don't sounds like she all. had a thing for him like way before that, though. Like, it well, sounds it's fine. But you would think that like murdering the dude would be like higher up in her list of issues. Yes. Yeah. They just they just pretend that didn't happen. That is just not addressed. Yeah. True. That's, so that yes. is a problem. If you, if you don't pretend, if you do pretend, if you pretend that didn't happen, then yes, it works for me. I like that, you know, I, it's believable that she had a schoolgirl crush on him. It's believable that he, you know, admires her for her mind because that's the kind of guy you would think he is. Someone who's, you know, drawn to the more intellectual uh, types. So, yeah, I think it does work for me. How do you feel, Abby? Abby. <laughs> I, I I have to, now that you've pointed that out, Mira, that is a problem. Like, if they would have addressed that, then it would be perfecto now. But I think it works for me, because as the story progresses, you can feel that the sex is, is pretty bomb, pretty great. <laughs> uh, but it's not just about that. It's like, it, it's that they're an intellectual match, and that is hot. Like, yeah. being an intellectual match is like, mm. Well, and when he describes the first time he realized that he was basically in love with her, um, it it's pretty awesome. It's just her in the classroom, um, and she plays a trick on Malfoy, um, a very clever, subtle trick on Malfoy. And he notices, and in his position as a headmaster at that point, he should have done something about it, but instead he's just, they smile at each other. Like, she smiles at him, and he does not um, get her in trouble. And he just realizes, like, he's really enjoyed watching her play him and that he enjoys her, you know, her intelligence and her Yeah, that little, like, I guess, co-conspirial moment. Yes. Which for someone who's so lonely <laughs> mm-hmm. was, like, a very intimate moment for him. Yeah. I think it's great because it's really hard to write that kind of intellectual compatibility, like much harder to write than sex scenes. Yes. Um, which is good because I didn't love the sex scenes. <laughs> yes, we should talk about the sex scenes. But I do want to stop and say, um, Lily Potter, who was his first love, everyone says she was so, so smart. And so it makes sense. That's what he's into. He's always been into that. Like, it just fits. I really like it. And then Hermione has eyes. That's why she's attracted to him. I mean, he's a badass, so. <laughs> she is She is alive. Therefore, she is attracted to him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you, we're not huge into the sex scenes. Go for it, Mira. Yeah, I want to hear all about this. Um, well, okay. So, there are a few issues that I have. I think the first couple... It's just so centered on his body and his pleasure, like in their first couple of encounters. And you don't really even get the sense that like Hermione is aroused. Like, you know that she is, but it doesn't really delve into it. And I feel like maybe the author is just like uncomfortable talking about female bodies or something. Cause like 
when they're describing Snape, they'll be like, oh, when his cock was doing this or that. And, like, the most we get about Hermione's, like, state of arousal is, like, and then he touched her clitoris. <laughs> it's like, that is not, like, sexy language. And he feels, like, super, super guilty about, like, having any sexual contact with her because he's afraid she's being coerced by the room and the room alone. But he gets his rocks off twice before he ever even touches her. And I don't mean, like, the same occasion. Like, first she, like, gives him a handy, then later she gives him a blowy, and then, like, chapter 17, he, like, finally touches her. And she's not, like frustrated or anything like there's no mention of her being like super wound up and i just found that really annoying and frustrating (laughs) i I don't i don't disagree with the facts that you laid out um and i actually think this is a really good contrast to your story that you picked last week the um where she's just coming like crazy um yes (laughs) that one is very centered on hermione's pleasure in her body and we have to guess what lucius is feeling and this one's kind of the other way um yes he I don't know. For me, it was still really hot. I guess I wanted to read that. That was what I was into. Um, (laughs) He is suffering because of the effects of this room. Like, he's, like... And so, to me, it was almost more tender when she was, like, forcing herself, her attentions on him because he was not... He did not believe she she could have any sincere feelings for him. Pity handy. So, I thought... Yeah, like... And then... (laughs) There's a part, um, because in Harry Potter, people don't tend to say, oh, God, or mention Jesus, right? Um, And there's a part (laughs) where um, they make out, and she can tell he's, like, super into it. And then he, like, forces himself away from her and just, like, crawls under the covers in bed. And she comes over to him and gives him the handy that she mentioned here. But there's a part (laughs) where, so she's doing this. And he says, oh, Christ, like, going back to, like, muggle speak or whatever. And it was just like... Oh, yeah, like, bring him down. Like, <laughs> for me, See, like, watching him, like, lose control, since he is such a controlled um, person, was, like, super hot. I liked it. It was, it was nice. probably the hottest hand job I could imagine. See, I'm really not into, this sounds terrible, like, not mutually beneficial pleasure. Like, that's not a thing for me. But I thought it was really interesting that she took the initiative. I found that really like, oh, oh, nice. Because a lot of times it's like, and she fell on the floor as he took her and ravaged her. And she's, you know, it's like, like the lady kind of just things happen to them. And I, I just liked the reversal of like, Hermione drove that car. She was yeah. like, I'm touching this dick and you're going to like it. I mean, bitch. And she, <laughs> like, I like that. she breaks him. He is like against mm-hmm. it. And she's like, no, guess what? You are suffering. Like, you may think I cannot have feelings for you. I do. Like, here we go. Like, and yeah, she's driving the car. So and I, I like really that. liked that. I agree. I just feel like you wait so, so, so long for him to, like, touch her at all. And I think, like, if it was just that initial ac- encounter and then it kind of went from there into something that was more mutually beneficial, <laughs> that would feel differently. But I was just like, okay, dude. Like, But maybe she likes gonna... to dom. Maybe that's part of it. Like, maybe... <laughs> that's a thing i just i do think this kind of um because i know um i this author's on tumblr she has kids she's not a teenager um it does have a very teenager like it does seem like two extremely inexperienced people going for it because it's like she'll jerk him off right and she's very confident and she's like hearing herself say you know these things that she would never imagine herself saying 
But then she, like, later, like, she has to take her shirt off, and she's like, oh my gosh, she's gonna see my bra. And, like, that kind of, like, <laughs> that, that, she's still shy and repressed. Like, she's not quite there. She's also very inexperienced. And so I feel like young people or teenagers or inexperienced people, like, going back to the time where you can imagine making out with someone for three hours. Like, that's a thing that you would do, like, when you were a teenager, that, like, adults, once you start doing it, you would probably not make out with someone for three hours, you know? So, to me, that's how I read that, is just that he does, he's not going to initiate anything with her um, because he feels that it's immoral to do so, um, and she sees that he's suffering, and she kind of gives him some relief before she gets any, but... I see what you mean. she gives him some more, and then she gives him some more. I, yeah... As, as would I. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, again, I'm not, that, that first, like, canoodling was, like, I'm normally not, like, sports goal, but, like, that first kiss, I was, like, finally! <laughs> yes, fucking do it, yes, like, <laughs> I want to be the one mashing those Barbie dolls together instead of J.K. Miller. <laughs> There's a part um, after the the finger blasting scene when Snape does reciprocate with her. They're waiting for the Death Eaters to come. They've made a plan. Um, next time they're tortured, they're going to escape. Night turns into day and they're just laying there for someone to come because they know they've been like sexing around so much that the globe is turning a lot and they're going to come get her. And um, it's probably spinning like a damn top at that point. Yeah, that's what he just says. <laughs> that thing is spinning like a top right now. <laughs> yes, that was funny. Um, but she she just says out of nowhere, I'm afraid. Like, he, they're going to sleep, and then after hours of silence, she's like, I'm afraid. And then he touches her face and says, like, that if they get out of there, that she needs to wait a month for the charm to wear off, and if she still wants him, that she should come and find him. And it's just so tender. Like, it's just beautiful. Like, I guess it's not a sex scene, but I wanted to mention it. It's very tender It's a and lady cute. boner. The emotional connection is great. It is very good. But speaking of all this, these, this finger blasting, it comes out right that he's a virgin which i'm just like shut the front door no way at the very end here's the thing though we as a reader know that hermione does not know that and he does not tell her well here's the thing virgin could mean that he's not like had penetrative sex doesn't mean anything else well, we know it doesn't mean That's anything else because she's she's blown him and uh and given well yeah but like you know what i mean like he could have had experience with women. They might just be like, no, no, no penetration for you. Yeah. Like, well, to me, I, I want to talk about that because like, how did you guys feel when you found out at the very end, she is released from the charm. Um, they, she does choose him. They do have sex. How do you guys feel about that revelation that he's a virgin? We just get that from his Mer. point of view. You're not into it, Mira. I'm not into it. See, I'm not I think either. Wow. You go, Mira, you go. <laughs> I think... Okay, so I've read Virginal Snape's before, and I think that, like, okay, yeah, it's possible with his lifestyle and situation and everything like that, like, for that to happen, and there's nothing wrong with that. I just didn't like the way that scene went in the story with him being a virgin, because he was very in control. They were, like, doing, like, a slight, like, not full-on domination, but they were being playful with, like, the professor-student thing, and... He was kind of like going at the pace he wanted to go and being just, yeah, basically very controlling. It's like, I don't, I don't feel like that's the way that virgin dudes go about it. Like it just didn't read believable for me and it kind of took me out of it. And like, 
when I'm reading something like this and I'm enjoying like the power dynamic of like older, younger, like the older person being more inexperienced, it, it's just not my cup of tea. Like there's nothing wrong with virgins or older virgins. Like I just want to get that out of the way, but like, you know, erotica and porn is not real life and I'm not reading it to be real life. Like I, I want him to have some experience and I want him to use it on her. <laughs> I, dude, I feel that because I've served my time as training wheels. I'm done with virgins. <laughs> if I could go back in time and be like, Abby, interview first. I would. <laughs> Not worth the effort. I mean, Let you're me doing you good work. Yeah. But... The Lord's work here. <laughs> exactly. But I, it really took me out of it. The only positive I could come up with for him being a virgin was like so often female, being a female, being virgin is like highly valued. And having that dynamic switched where the dude is a virgin and the lady is, usually that means like the lady is like tarnished or shitty or something by it but no it just like doesn't even come up they don't even talk about their sexual history with each other at all that's not even a conversation they felt they needed to have which that was nice i thought that was nice that is the only good thing about it to me is that it's like you do you girl you could have touched as many dicks or whatever you like and that's not even going to come up because that's not valid in our moment in our relationship here which is the true true right but I just was not, I just decided to like edit that out, honestly, mentally. I was like, no, <laughs> scratch that off. I think it makes character sense. So like, I think Snape in general is either a sex god with a sex dungeon in these stories, or he is yes. like extremely Only inexperienced. That. There's the two, there's the two kinds. And they both make sense because we just know he's not in the middle ground of having functional long-term relationships. So he can either be... Like, anonymous sex dungeon, like, torture master, or, you know, basically, like, what we get in this story, which is virginal Snape, but... But um, nerds. Nerds breed so much, and they watch... They watch and know <laughs> things. It's it's serious. I mean, that's why I think he was good at finger-blasting her, man. He didn't seem like a dum-dum. And they also specifically say he's observing them and watching them and... Or watching her um, and learning from her, and he's very interested. That's why he wants to see her face. He does not really know what he's doing. But he is definitely interested in doing a good job. <laughs> Which is fine until they actually get to the act. And then he's like acting too experienced for his experience level, I feel. Do you think so? Cause it just didn't read true. Like, I think it's like he should have been more nervous, but she was so needful that he just went for it. Like he's not. I noticed that line. I just didn't any, buy it. He's not pulling any tricks. Oh, well, I bought it. I thought it was adorable. <laughs> I was fine with all it. The in. thing that's interesting is that <laughs> he's got a couple of big secrets from her. So he told her that he had been in love once before and that that woman was gone. But at the end of this story, she does not know who that was. Does he ever tell her that? And does she ever find out that also he was a virgin until they just did it? So I don't know. They probably find out through their mind meld. <laughs> they don't have a mind meld. He's just a super good <laughs> legends. Come on. <laughs> I don't know. Ancient magic. Oh, uh, we'll get to that. <laughs> so, Mira, because uh, I want to humble you a little bit, your boy Lucius gets <laughs> some rough treatment in this story. Your boy Lucius doesn't come across very good. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty bad. I mean, I can accept that. It is consistent with where he was in book seven of Harry Potter, because he started yes. getting a little raggedy in that one, too. So, I do appreciate how the author is basically like, you know, I 
that we don't we're out of options like what can we do it's too late for all of us like he's just playing out his role at this point he is desperate he doesn't necessarily want to be there but he feels like he has no choice so there's like the beginnings of maybe like a reformable Lucius if you want there to be. Just because you're a bad you're guy doesn't mean you're a bad guy. Oh, man. I like redeemable characters. I don't know. I really I like just that. love watching Snape lay into him and treat him oh, like it's trash. Oh, it's, it's really It's nice. really good. All of this, all of the scenes of him being a badass and telling people off in this book, in this story are like so good. <laughs> He's just yes. like, fuck you. Um, so that brings me to high points and low points. I wanted to get everyone's high point and low point from the story. Does anyone want to start? I can't start. I'm over the sound of my voice. <laughs> I'll, I'll go. Okay, you go, Mary. You oh. go. Yeah, okay. Um, so I think the high point for me, I just think like the plot of this was great. And I think the action is just really, really good. All of the world building, all of the well thought out magic and charms and like spells and everything that they do from the torture chamber, like the actual torture chamber with like the sticking charm and like her charm shirt and stuff like that. I don't know. I just feel like it feels true to the world. It feels true to the story and it like really enhanced it. It felt like you were, you weren't just reading erotica that had Harry Potter names in it. Like you were (laughs) reading the Harry Potter universe. But, like, actual specific high point was the fiend fire scene. Like, them escaping the manor was just badass. Oh, my God. So this is so lame, but I'm actually embarrassed because I know that magic isn't real and Harry Potter isn't real. But, like, how fucking... (laughs) How awesome. Like, just when he apparated from inside the anti-apparition wards across the continent to a place he had never seen before in real life. And That's she's terrifying. just like, and she's like, holy shit. And he's like, yeah, I wasn't 100% sure it'd work. I'm like, okay, I know this isn't real, but I was like, That's so hot. <laughs> awesome. I just love like this idea of like, well, I'm going to tap into this ancient magic and like clasp his hand and start like chanting or something. I don't think there's actual chanting, but I think she like speaks in a low voice or something. And it's just sort of this like moment of like, you know, their power being unleashed, and it's just so cool. I think it's great. Awesome. And then a low point low points, for you. I the think. virginity? <laughs> the virginity, honestly, I think that's part of it. Um, actually, okay, the very ending, the epilogue, was the low point for me. I felt like there were too many neat little bows on everything. I felt like the author should have stopped a little bit sooner, maybe. Because we get, like, the war all wrapped up. Like, they find the Horcruxes. Babes, basically, it's the Snape and Hermione show. Yes. Like, they're just like, we're going to fix all of the problems of the war in the world. And everybody's going to accept our relationship instantly. And we're going to be perfect. The end. Yes, yes. And, like, <laughs> well, and the author even uh, kind of says that last chapter is optional. I think mm-hmm. she couldn't help herself with that. But yeah, for me, it's not I like, like, I wouldn't even say I didn't enjoy it. But it made me self-conscious about... The fact that this was just total wish fulfillment for me. I'm just like... Well, it was so well thought out and well paced and slow burned up until that point mm-hmm. that it was just incredibly rushed. And like, I just imagine Harry Potter in the background being like, okay, thanks guys. Like, <laughs> I mean, I don't have to do anything. Well, and literally no one from the Order dies. It's yeah, just like, yes. Lupin's, that Lupin's alive, all of the Weasleys are alive. 
Um, and Thomas everybody lived. Yep. Everybody lived. Yeah, it was like, okay. <laughs> I need to have a Which little sour with my sweet so that I can fool myself into thinking I'm not drinking 3,000 calories of smut or whatever. So. <laughs> it's like, it's such a dark story until that point. Mm-hmm. Like, we're just torture here, torture there, a little bit of blood spray, a little bit of, like, forced sexual situations. And then all of a sudden, everybody lives and it's great. <laughs> well, and it's like, when I was reading Deathly Hallows, and I think almost everyone has this frustration of just like, Dumbledore could have told them some things that really would have fucking helped. And so in a yes. way, I just feel like part of it is them be- is this author being like, man, if, if Hermione and Snape were really on a level and on the same side and they had a way to get the Horcruxes, then maybe all of the suffering wasn't necessary. But yeah, in practice, it's way too much. It's way too sweet to like be feel real, you know. It it is sort of, and it goes into summary mode in that last chapter too. Yeah, but the fiend fire, super great. Nice. That's why we have our fire drink. Mm-hmm. Yes. How about you, Abby? High points and low points. High points. I'd have to agree with Mira that the whole it wasn't just porn with Harry Potter names. Like it was a rich world. All of those same points for that. But that I'm gonna admit the truth. That first kiss was fire. Yeah. Fire. Like it was oh, just man. like we just we just built that we just ramped up to that just right. I was like, mm, really good. And then I was hooked at that point because I was like, are we touching? Does it happen? But if they, I don't know. There's just we didn't wait too long, but just right on the edge of being too long. And I was like, all right, this is excellent now. So all that right. was probably one of the high points for me there. Um, but the low points were everybody lives was pretty like wah wah like yeah, too convenient yeah. and again i know she admits that it's the epilogue and it's tying bows on stuff but even if they she just wanted to like explain a little bit more why hermione went into the library and them sl- like exposing their relationship and it stopped right there we don't have to end the war that's too far that's too far just stop it with the war still going i think it would have vastly been approved by that and I, yeah. <laughs> Virgin Snape is really terrible. <laughs> oh, man, I love I'm, I'm okay with Virgin Snape. I'm not like, yay, Virgin Snape, but I'm like, okay, I believe this. Like, I'm just so into them being mm-hmm. together and being happy at this point that, like, I don't care. Could have said the all kinds of the other thing that it was only said once in the whole story, but I couldn't unhear it, is that anytime someone says the phrase clever girl, all I can think is Jurassic Park every <laughs> fucking time. <laughs> clever girl, like every time. And so I just I just couldn't unhear it. So it took me a little bit to get back in the flow. So pro tip, just remember that that's a very heavily loaded phrase. Yeah, yeah. I do love, though, several scenes where she's just being smart and you can just see how happy it makes him. Mm-hmm. Like just his satisfaction yeah. when she's faster than he would expect her to be. Like it's pretty awesome. Yes. Professor Snape. (laughs) Another low point for me is that I don't know why, but the phrase the side of light is just so It's a little lame. Yeah. Heinous for me. I like the side it just it's used like a million times, it feels like. And I understand the desire to be consistent, but there has to be I mean, I'm not a writer, but I'm over here like I don't know, it just feels so like kindergarten sing a long time side of light i just it really killed me because we're just like <laughs> yeah. we're in like a prison he's getting like slashed to death and the side of light like it's i don't yeah. know yeah i mean it's not any less sophisticated than harry potter itself is mm-hmm. but it does make me a little bit self-conscious about yeah it is a little simple yeah and it's like it, i had to really think about it because overall i 
I really enjoyed it. It was a ton of fun. But those are the things that really stuck out to me. Cool. Um, so my high point, because I, I loved the same things um, that you guys did as far as the world building and the fact that they get to actually be clever and figure out these mysteries in the world like itself is a lot of work that the author put in. Um, but um, Snape being a badass in general, um, but specifically the description of Snape being found out by Voldemort um, and Snape being an utter badass in that, that moment where he thinks he's going to die because Voldemort finds him out. So, um, yeah, so Voldemort's good. interrogating him. Um, and he's a badass and he's used to that shit and Voldemort's in his head. And then Voldemort casually mentions that they should find Hermione and bring her in for questioning. And at this point, Snape is in love with her, right? And just for a minute, he just has this like revulsion reaction that Voldemort can feel. Um, and that's long enough for Voldemort to see that Snape wants to protect her and something is very wrong about that. And so like in the Deathly Hallows, Snape's death is super anticlimactic because Voldemort never finds out that Snape um, has fooled him for tw almost 20 years. Um, and he just dies because Voldemort needs someone to die because the snake needs someone to die. I can't remember exactly why Nagini has to kill him. But Voldemort kills Snape thinking that Snape is like a, a, a loyal servant to him. Um, and it's super disappointing to me. And so in this one, we get to have that moment of Snape being like, I punked you, bitch. Like, you suck. <laughs> <laughs> and so I have this quote, which is really sad because I obviously don't have badass Snape voice, but I'm going to read it anyway and see how it goes. Um, so this is in Chapter 8. Um, so we've already previously learned that, that Voldemort found out he was a traitor, but we later learned that Voldemort finds out he's a traitor because of his love for Hermione. So, um, he, so Voldemort's like, what the hell? And then Snape is like, how does it feel, he asked, knowing that you've been fooled for years? You think you're the most powerful wizard in the world? You're not even the most powerful wizard in this room. He grinned, feeling almost giddy as he rode out what he knew to be the final seconds of his life. You're going to lose to a load of puling school children, you pathetic mediocrity. And I'm like, yes! <laughs> like, I wanted that so bad in the actual books. Like, as soon as you learn that Snape is not um, a truly Death Eater, like, you're just like, oh, yeah. Like, I can't wait until this moment where that, he gets to own that. And he never does. So in this, I'm just, this is canon to me now. I'm just going to imagine at least <laughs> um, because I love that so much. So, yeah. And then my, my low point um, is actually the same as, as you all's as far as the, the end, the epilogue. Um, she, and also, she's writing, um, I also have a little bit of a problem with the um, sympathetic magic concept. So basically, they're able to get out at the end in part because their love for each other gives them magic powers, sympathetic magic superpowers. And she does explain it, but... I've had so much fun watching these two be smart, and I would have really liked for them to have found a way out of this without a deus ex machina kind of thing happening, where there's the sympathetic magic and that will get them out of here. Like, they're both brilliant. Like, I want to see them puzzle through that, and I will let this story get over 100,000 words so I can have that. So I feel a little bit <laughs> um, too easy and convenient there, um, and I would have liked to see a little bit more juice in that. I could see that. That's, that is valid. I think that would have been a bit that. more satisfying. That's cool how she burned everybody to death, though. I'm not going to say that's not cool, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just have a bit of a lady boner for the sympathetic magic ancient power unlocked, meant to be love. I feel yeah, like we thing. should expect some soulmate sort of stories from you then. 
Yeah, I yeah, mean, I mean, I've definitely yeah. read them. <laughs> I've read so many. I, I mean, I understand where how it works into the story because he feels there's no way she could have a genuine interest in him. He feels that very strongly. Um, and the sympathetic magic is kind of proving to him that that's not true. You know, like, that what they have is real. Um, but it did just kind of take a little bit of the tension out of, of their escape scene to me that they... I can see that, yeah. Um, okay. So, um, what do you guys imagine happens next to the, um, central characters after this story is over? I figure they stay together. McGonagall's basically like, invite me to the wedding, dudes. <laughs> like, <it's okay. laughs> Sorry, yeah. continue. No, no worries. I, I figure they stay together, though, because for being a tad dramatic, it was overall weirdly not dramatic how they got together. I, I wish I could verbalize that a bit better, but it seemed mostly rational after the fact and then the only thing that I question about them being together five ever is that do they forever forever do the teacher student bedroom shit or does does that get old after a while because <laughs> yes, I no, just no, I no, just it's not get old I've learned things I, about you today, kind of, I mean just because I'm a sicko and I've read too many of these stories a lot of times they'll kind of try to pretend that that dynamic isn't there so I was fine with them doing that. I was like, yeah, professor. <laughs> yeah, and then the other thing, though, is like, I guess going back even further, though, is I feel that they did a good job in the story of, like, making direct eye contact with the fact that this is a thing. Like, I was <laughs> was her teacher. <laughs> like, they don't shy away from that. Like, some of them, like you said, yeah. try and be like, let's just sweep under the rug that this is a little scandalous. Yeah, well, like, I didn't know her when she was a child at all. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think, Mira, happens to them after the story? Oh, um, I kind of just imagine them as this academic power couple. They just get to their work and have dirty sex in the library and happily ever after. Yeah, Sign me, me up. <laughs> um, does she ever learn that the person Snape was in love with was Harry's mom? She has to. She has to. Because yeah, her... Yeah, I guess I don't know. Her, it has to come to light because... Though, if only because she's BFS with Lily's son, right? It's, it's going to come out. And I don't feel like you need to go into every crush or every person you've ever been with. But when that person was the parent of your current spouse's best friend, that, that might be worth... Yeah. Letting that come. Well, and, and also everyone's alive, so Lupin is clowning around up in, up in like, Snape's face. <laughs> like, Lupin and Snape have Christmas together now. Like, that's not cool. <laughs> <laughs> It'll probably come up. I mean, even if Lupin is just an asshole and mentions something, I bet, you know. I yeah, but it doesn't. But based off of how the rest of them, well, I guess the two of them behaved, I, I don't think any of their past encounters or crushes would play into their current relationship, if that makes sense. Yeah, neither yeah. one of them has at this at the end of the story. There's no insecurity really on either side that they. Mm -hmm. So I think they'll be cool, and being being long dead is really quite a way to not be jealous of someone. So mm -hmm. <laughs> it only comes up when Hermione wants to get Harry involved in a three way with them. Snape insists on a lot of eye contact. Yeah, I was about to say eye contact. You beat me, Mira. It's <laughs> like sold. She's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> okay, 
Um, so we know I would recommend the story because I recommended it to you guys. Um, Abby and Mira wanted to give you each a chance to say whether or not you would recommend this story to other people. I would recommend it. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I recommend it too. I think there's uh, a lot of good buildup. It's good if you're like into action and suspense and like more of a slow burn. I don't think the sex is mind blowing, but I do think it's good. And I think it's emotionally charged, which, you know, makes up for them swinging from the chandeliers or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's a good read. Oh, um, so Abby, you have picked our next story. Do you want to give us an intro to what we'll be reading next time? Sure. For next week, I chose Crazy Little Things by Drezier. The pairing for this one is Luna Lovegood and Hermione Granger. The author didn't provide any trigger warnings, and honestly, I can't think of any I'd want to add. So here's the blurb provided by the author. Little by little, in her own unusual way, Luna Lovegood begins to romance Hermione Granger. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of Shipwrecks. As always, check the show notes for links to this and next week's story. Be sure to follow us on social for the latest updates and extras. Tune in next week for more ships and more wrecks. We should get um, a classic of literature to compare each one of these two, right? <laughs> so for like like short stories, we could do something like by O. Henry or something. Because this was the great Gatsby of sex. <laughs> <laughs>